It was perhaps the greatest single collective failure of leadership in the Torah. Ten of the spies who Moses had sent to spy out the land came back with a report calculated to demoralize the nation. They said, we came to the land which you sent us. Yes, it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. We will not be able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. We seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. This was nonsense, and they should have known it. They had left Egypt, the greatest empire of the ancient world, after a series of plagues that brought that great country to its knees. They had crossed the seemingly impenetrable barrier of the Red Sea. They had fought and defeated the Amalekites, a ferocious warrior nation. They had even sung along with their fellow Israelites a song at the sea that contained the words, The people have heard, they tremble, pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now the chiefs of Edom are dismayed, trembling seizes. The leaders of Moab and all the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. They should have known that the people of the land were afraid of them, not the other way round. And so it was, as Rahab told the spies, that Joshua sent 40 years later to spy out Jericho. She told them, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and the fear of you has fallen on us, and all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. So it was the locals who were afraid of the Israelites, not the other way round. Only Joshua and Caleb among the twelve showed leadership. They told people that the conquest of the land was eminently achievable because God was with them. The people didn't listen, but the two leaders received their reward. They alone of their generation lived to enter the land. More than that, their defiant statement of faith and their refusal to be afraid shines as brightly now as it did 33 centuries ago. They are eternal heroes of faith. One of the fundamental tasks of any leader, from president to parent, is to give people a sense of confidence in themselves in the group of which they are a part, and in the mission itself. A leader must have faith in the people he or she leads, and inspire that faith in them. As Rosabeth Moss Cantor of the Harvard Business School writes in her book Confidence, leadership isn't about the leader. It's about he or she, how he or she builds the confidence of everyone else. Confidence, by the way, is Latin for having faith together. The truth is that in no small measure a law of self-fulfilling prophecy applies in the human arena. Those who say we can't do it are probably right. Those who say we can do it are also probably right. Because if you lack confidence, you'll lose. But if you have it, solid, justified confidence based on preparation and past performance, then you will win. Not always, but often enough to triumph over setbacks and failures. That, as I mentioned in a previous essay, is what the story of Moses' hands is about during the battle against the Amalekites. When the Israelites looked up, they won. When they looked down, they started to lose. That's why the negative definition of Jewish identity that's so often prevailed in modern times, seeing us as the people who are hated, Israel as the nation that's isolated, to be Jewish is to hand, refuse to give Hitler a posthumous victory. All these negative ways of defining Jews is so misconceived 
and the result is that one in two Jews who've been brought up on this doctrine choose to marry out and discontinue the Jewish story. Harvard economic historian David Landis, in his The Wealth and Poverty of Nations, asked the question why some countries fail to grow economically while others succeed spectacularly. After the more than 500 pages of close analysis, he reaches this conclusion. In this world, the optimists have it. Not because they're always right, but because they are positive. Even when wrong, they're positive, and that's the way of achievement, correction, improvement and success. Educated, eyes-open optimism pays. Pessimism can only offer the empty consolation of being right. Well, I prefer the word hope to optimism. Optimism is the belief that things will get better. Hope is the belief that together we can make things better. No Jew knowing Jewish history can be an optimist. But no Jew worthy of the name ever abandons hope. The most pessimistic of the prophets, from Amos to Jeremiah, were still voices of hope. By their defeatism, the spies failed, as leaders and as Jews. To be a Jew is to be an agent of hope. The most remarkable, by far, of all the commentators on the episode of the spies was the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson. He raised the obvious question. The Torah stresses that the spies were all leaders, princes, heads of tribes. They all knew that God was with them and that with his help there was nothing they couldn't do. They knew that God wouldn't have promised them a land they couldn't conquer. So why then did they come back with a negative report? The Rebbe's answer is completely counterintuitive. This is what he says. The ten spies weren't afraid of defeat. They were afraid of victory. What they said to the people was one thing, but what led them to say it was another entirely. How so? Well, what was their situation then in the wilderness? They were living in close and continuous proximity to God. They were drinking water from a rock, eating manna from heaven. They were surrounded by the clouds of glory. Miracles accompanied them along the way. What would their situation be in the promised land? There they would have to fight wars, plow the land, plant seeds, gather harvests, create and sustain an army, an economy, and a welfare system. They'd have to do what every other nation does, live in the real world of empirical space. What then would happen to their relationship with God? That is what the spies feared. Not failure, but success. This, said the rabbi, was a sin, a noble sin, but still a sin. Because God wants us to live in the real world, the real world of nations, economies, and armies. God wants us, as he put it, to create a dwelling place in the lower world. He wants us to bring the Shekhinah, the divine presence, into everyday life. It's easy to find God in total seclusion and escape from responsibility. It's hard to find God in the office, in business, in farms and fields and factories and finance. But it is that hard challenge to which we are summoned, to create a space for God in the midst of this physical world that he created and seven times pronounced good. That is what ten of the spies failed to understand, and it was a spiritual failure that condemned an entire generation to forty years of futile wandering. The Rebbe's words ring true today even more loudly than they did when he first spoke them. They are a profound statement of the Jewish task. They're also a fine exposition of a concept 
that entered psychology only relatively recently, namely fear of success. We're all familiar with the idea of fear of failure. It's what keeps many of us from taking risks, preferring instead to stay within our comfort zone. But equally, there is the phenomenon of fear of success. We want to succeed, so we tell ourselves and we tell others, but unconsciously, often we fear what success may bring, new responsibilities, expectations on the part of others that we may find hard to fulfill, and so on. So we fail to become what we might have become had someone given us faith in ourselves. The antidote to fear, both of failure and success, lies in the passage with which the Pasha ends, the command of Tzitzis. We are commanded to place fringes on our garments, with among them a thread of blue. Blue is the color of the sky and of heaven. Blue is the color we see when we look up, at least in Israel. In Britain, usually we see clouds. But when we learn to look up, we overcome our fears. And leaders give people confidence by teaching them to look up. We are not grasshoppers unless we think we are.